Hey, my name is Jason, and you're listening to the Embrace Church Podcast. God is doing some incredible things at each one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota. To learn more about Embrace and maybe plan your visit, head on over to imembrace.com. We hope today's message brings you hope, inspires you, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive in to today's message. Well, one of the most anxiety-inducing games of all time has got to be Jenga, right? How many of you play Jenga? Raise your hands at all of our campuses if you ever played Jenga before. So the way Jenga works is you take a brick. There's 54 of these wooden bricks or blocks or whatever you want to call them, and you put them in sets of three. You put them like there, and then you kind of just start stacking them as you go. And once you get the tower stacked, it's... It's fairly stable. Like, if you don't touch it, it'll just stay there. You wouldn't want to wind a South Dakota tornado to come by. It'd blow it over right away. But it's fairly stable, and then the game begins. And so you can have as many players as you want, right? And you start just pulling bricks out. And just so you know, I'm a typical man, so trying to preach and pull bricks is, like, way too much multitasking for me. So I'm just going to do a few of these. And as you start to pull the bricks out... What happens? The tower becomes weaker and weaker, and the anxiety of the players goes up. I was playing this with my boys this weekend, and they're just like, oh my goodness, it's going to fall. Like, your anxiety starts to increase more and more until that fateful soul that pulls the last brick, it falls over and crumbles, and that person is the loser. So that is uh, Jenga, but the thing about it is from the beginning of the game, All it takes is one brick to be removed incorrectly for the tower to fumble. Like, or maybe you have like, you know, a shaky hand or you pull the wrong brick and the tower can completely crumble and collapse. Why is that? Because even though these are individual bricks, right? There's 54 of these individual bricks. When you put them together... When you build them together, they become dependent on each other. So a brick can either strengthen the tower, or if it's removed or moved, it can crumble it. Uh, my name is Travis. I am a, the pastor at the T campus. I'm excited to be here with you. We're in our last series in the church series where we've been talking about what is the church The church isn't a building, it isn't a place. We are the church. Us people are the church. And the question we've been asking is, how can we be the church in a crazy world? So that brings us back to Jenga. Why would I pick Jenga today? I think Jenga is a great picture of how we, Christ followers, Christians, are to interact in the church. We're all our own individuals, right? We all are our own bricks, but when we are in the church, when we are put together, we become connected to each other. We become dependent on each other. There's kind of this belief that's crept into the church over the last probably 300 years. Uh, it's, a, it's a United States thing. It's kind of a Western civilization thing. It is, it's called individualism. You maybe heard of it before. And I'm not going to spend all the time explaining individualism, but basically the, in, the belief of individualism says, I am self-reliant. I am independent. That's what it is. Individualism is I am self-reliant. I am independent, which isn't bad 
really. We've gotten a lot of good things from individualism, like individual rights in the Constitution. Uh, We are more free ever to make personal choices for ourselves. That's all good. But there has been a bit of a negative side to it. You know, I've been a pastor for a little while now. I've been a Christian even longer. And I've heard many Christians say this. Maybe you've said it. Maybe you've heard it. If you've said it, I'm not judging you at all. But I've heard this. I don't need the church because I have my own personal relationship with God. Do you hear individualism in there? I have my own personal relationship with God. I have an individual faith, an independent faith, a self-reliant faith. So I don't need the church. The question I want to pose is, what if the church needs you? What if the church needs you? What if it's not all about you? And take it even differently, what if we were never designed to have individual faiths? What if we were designed to be built up into something together, to be connected into something together? And the fact that who you are and who you become, it matters because it affects all the souls around you. A guy named Paul said it like this. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. That's us. You are members of God's family. And here we get to it. Together we are his Jenga tower. We are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together, built together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. What Paul is saying is all the apostles, all the prophets, all the past Christians, all the future and present Christians, we're all being built together into this tower, into this house. We are connected together in the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. What does that mean for us today? It means you are not merely an individual. It means that we are connected. It means that who we are and who we become is not neutral. We will always affect the souls around us. When I become better, when I become a better, stronger brick, I strengthen the tower and make it strong. When I struggle, when I become weaker, I weaken the tower. If we are bricks that are connected to other bricks, if we are souls that are connected to other souls, it matters what kind of brick we are becoming. Just like Jenga, you know, one of these bricks, they can strengthen the tower. And they can also crumble it. Are you becoming a brick that is strengthening the tower or crumbling it? That's a difficult question, I know. Are you a brick that is strengthening the tower, the church, the world, or are you contributing to its crumbling? Now, I know we live in an individualistic society. This is hard for us to comprehend because we think that my choices are my choices and I can do what I want and it won't affect everyone. But we know, if we really think about that, that's not true, right? Everything about us affects the people around us. And even in the church, like the person that we become in the church affects the people in 
the church. It's a bit frightening to think even for myself, I'm a pastor, I'm a friend, and I'm a dad. To think that who I'm becoming and who I am is affecting my church, is affecting my family, it's affecting my friends, and it's affecting the world, that's a bit frightening to take in. But it's true. Who we are. We can make the tower strong or we can make it weak. You and I, we have something to offer to the church. We have something to offer to the world. The question is, will it strengthen the tower or crumble it? So how do we do this? How do we offer something? How do we become a better brick in the world? How do we give something to the church? Well, there's a bunch of ways. Like We could probably sit here and come up with hundreds of ways uh, to better the church. But when I sat down and I was thinking about how can we as people in the church be better for the church and better for the world, three things came to my mind. And I I believe, like as I sat with these, these three things, they're, they're huge things, but they're so important to us being better bricks that strengthen the church. The first thing we need to be better bricks in the world and the church is we need to pursue wisdom. Now, wisdom is, I'm going to define this for you, wisdom is our knowledge and our experiences and our understandings to do good and right things for God. It's everything that we have intake into our brain and using that for good for God. Wisdom is not information. It's not facts. It's not research. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is using information. It's using facts to do good. Information, just for an example, it's kind of like a scalpel. Wisdom is the doctor that knows how to use the scalpel for good. We desperately need more people of wisdom in our world. Solomon says in the book of Proverbs, he says, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. When we are wise, it's contagious. And I know that's not a good word to say right now, but it is. When we are wise, it's contagious. Other people catch it. We give that wisdom to other people. The church needs this so badly. I have a friend uh, when I was in college. His name was Brian. He came into my life. Uh, He was about 10 years older than me. And he came into my life when I just started following Jesus. He was, uh, he was married. He had kids. He'd been following Jesus a lot longer than me. And Brian would meet with me. I don't know why he did this, but he would meet with me almost every week for four years he met with me. And it was amazing. And he taught me how to read my Bible. He taught me how to pray. He taught me how to uh, share my faith. But I think some of the best times with Brian is when I would just ask him questions And he would just pour wisdom into me. Brian, I'm interested in this girl. What do you think? I asked him that way too many times. Brian, I'm changing my major. What do you think about that? Brian, where do you see my growth areas? Brian, what do you think I should do with the rest of my life? Brian, how would you handle the situation? Brian, do you think I should take this job? And from his life, from his relationship from God, from his experience, he would pour wisdom onto me. He would just pour wisdom onto me. Brian was a wise brick. And I'm better because of him. The church, the world, we need more people like this. Our world, we have more information than we ever have, but very little wisdom. 
There are, get, get this, I looked this up, there are 2.5 quintillion bytes of information created every day, and it's increasing every single day. 90% of the information in the world, this is insane, has been created in the last two years. We don't have an information problem. We got a wisdom problem. We don't know how to use what we have been given. And this is the problem with wisdom. You can't Google it. You can't. It takes time. It takes experiences. It takes trials. It takes deep conversations. It's crazy that the thing that the church and the world needs mostly can't be Googled. We need people of wisdom that it's being formed in. So how do we do this? Like, none of these things are easy to do. Like, we, we have to take steps in this direction. So the step that we need to take in this direction, we need to think deeply. So what do I mean by that? Like I said, we're, we're taking in thousands of things all the time, whether it's the news, articles we've, written, uh, articles we've read, stuff that we've heard on the internet, social media, advice that we've been uh, hearing from friends. We're taking in all this stuff all the time, and a lot of times we're just like retweeting it to the world. We're regurgitating it to the world. Wise people don't do that. They take in information, and they think about it. They take in their experiences from life and they think deeply about it. And they actually invite other people into that process to think about it before they retweet it to the world. This, isn't, this, this stinks because we live in a fast food culture. We want stuff right now. People of wisdom, they, you don't get it right now. It takes time. Start the process of thinking deeply now. So that's the first thing. The second thing we need if we want to be better bricks for the world and the church is we need to pursue Holiness. Now, holiness is a churchy word, but all holiness means is to be set apart and pure. It was often used of God to show how pure God is, how different than humanity God is. But crazy enough, the Bible uses holiness to refer to us many times, too. One of Jesus' followers, Peter, this is what he said. He said, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy, not God. You must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. What it's saying is God, God's saying, I'm holy, and when you spend time with me, you will become more holy. And when the world sees that you are holy, they will want to be holy. It will impact the world. Now, holiness is still, it's complicated, so I just want to kind of simplify it a little bit more. It just really means purity of character. A character that is Pure. This is what our church needs. We need people that are, have a pure character. This is what the world needs. And even if you're not a Christian today, this stuff is good for the world. We need to be holy in how we treat others. We need to be holy in the words that come out of our mouth. We need to be holy in how we handle money. We need to be holy in our sexuality. We need to be holy in what we view on screens. We need to be holy in how we use alcohol. We need to be holy in what we purchase. We need to be holy in everything we do, say, and think. That's hard. I understand. Like, that's a hard thing to do, but this is what the world needs. The world needs people that look different than the world. 
that are set apart, that are pure. Now, just so we get this straight, holy people are not arrogant, judgmental bullies. Holy people are not standoff and approachable. If that's what you think holiness is, please don't become that person. I think the churches in our United States have enough of them already. That's not what it means to be holy. People that are holiness, they do have a pure quality to their character, but these people are approachable. They bring others along with them. And to use a line from Adam last week, they inspire instead of irritate. I had a friend a while ago, his name was, his name was Joshua, and Joshua had not been following Jesus as long as I, but he had this dramatic conversion. Like, he was totally going one way. He met Jesus, he turned his life around, and it changed everything about his life. And when I would hang around Joshua, I would just want to be better. I'd want to be closer to Jesus. I wanted to purify what I said. And don't get me wrong, like you probably think Joshua's a prude. He wasn't. He never made me feel guilty. I never felt shame around him. All I knew is I wanted what he had. I wanted to be more like him. I wanted to purify myself and be more like him. Now, Joshua was not perfect, so don't hear me say that. But for me, he was kind of a form of a holy brick. And I'm better because I knew him. This is what the world and the church need. We need more people like this. So how do we do it? Once again, this, these things aren't easy. Here's one step that we can take. Take a serious inventory of your life. Invite a Christian friend or a mentor to take a serious inventory of your life. That's a much more scary step. And simply ask this question. What parts of my life don't look like Jesus? And I know some of you right now, the guilt's rising, right? The guilt, the shame's rising. We have no reason to feel guilty, no reason to be shamed. Jesus Christ died for our sins. We are forgiven. This is not about proving ourselves to God. It's just about becoming more like him. There is grace abound. So many of us, we're not taking this step because we're so hampered by guilt and shame. We don't need to be hampered by guilt and shame. We just get better. And when we get holier, the people around us do as well. So that's the first step. Take a serious inventory of your life. Lastly, if we want to be better bricks for the world and the church, we have to pursue healthiness. Now, when I say healthy, I'm not talking about being physically healthy, although that would probably be good for the world as well. But I'm talking about like a healthiness in our soul. Uh, there's this old world, so there's this word in the Old Testament called shalom, and it was used as a greeting. Like we would say hello and goodbye. They would say shalom. But our hello and goodbye is kind of frivolous. Shalom means be filled with well-being. Be filled with Healthiness. This is how Jews used to greet themselves. Shalom. Be filled with healthiness and wholeness. That's what we need. We need more people that are filled with well-being. What's a healthy person look like? Here's just some thoughts that I had. Healthy people have peace in tough times. Healthy people have dealt with past pain and unforgiveness. Healthy people are not living out of insecurity. Healthy people don't stuff emotions or dwell on them, but they process them with God. Healthy people are okay not being in control. I just fell off the wagon there. Sorry. 
Healthy people have been wounded by others, but are mending. Healthy people are not bitter and do not blame the world, but they take responsibility for their lives. And most importantly, healthy people pour this amazing quality of well-being, this amazing quality of shalom into the people around them. Man, once again, you don't even have to be a Christian to say this is good stuff for the world, right? This is so good for our church, but this is so good for the world. Our church desperately needs healthy people to pour their life of shalom onto each other. In some ways, I think we've gotten okay with our brokenness and have stopped being motivated towards healthiness. Once again, God loves the weak. Come weak and broken, and you are open with, you are welcome with open arms, but that's not where he wants us to stay. He wants us to continue on, to grow, to become more like him, to be healthy so that we can be a strong brick for the tower. I went through a stressful season in my life, and numerous things contributed to it. The biggest factor was my personal unhealthiness. And I started seeing a therapist named Mike. And Mike was a little bit more like a spiritual advisor, but every week I felt like he was literally pouring shalom and well-being into my soul. I would leave these meetings just feeling refreshed and like I had tools to attack life with. Now, he was, a he-, he was a professional, right? But he was a healthy professional. I know he had processed this stuff in his life. Mike was a healthy brick, and I'm better because of him. So how do you become healthy? Once again, not easy. Healthiness starts with being able to process our past, our emotions, and our insecurities. Healthiness starts with being able to process our past, our emotions, and our insecurities. This is not an easy step to take, and you really can't take it alone. What you need is probably a counselor, a therapist, a good friend, a pastor, a mentor to come in and just help you deal with some of the stuff in your past. And I know so many of us, we've stuffed it. We pretend it's not there. I get it. I've done the exact same thing. But if we want to be healthy people, we got to dig in. We got to dig in and get this out and figure out how to process it. Because there's other people that need your story. They need your healing so that they can be healed. So that's the third thing that we need to pursue, healthiness. So back to our question, what kind of brick are you becoming? Just think about that. One that's strengthening the tower or one that's crumbling it? It's hard to be neutral. You can probably be neutral, but it's difficult. And sometimes we're weak and sometimes we're strong. And to be clear, like if, if you're weak today, that is okay. You are welcome with open arms. There is grace. Jesus Christ has died for us in our weakness. There's so much grace there. But today, this is the good news, today you can start taking steps to be healthy, holy, and wise. And they are small steps, and you won't see them for 40 years probably, but you can start taking those steps. And guess what? When you take even a little step, you make the world better. 
You make the church better. You make the souls connected to your life better when you start taking steps in that direction. We will never arrive. Jesus is the only one that has arrived. And it's so easy to get down on that. Like, oh God, I'm never going to be there. I'm never going to be there. No, that's, we can't do that. We're never going to arrive. But it doesn't mean we don't go for it. it. doesn't mean we don't give it our all. It doesn't mean that we try. We don't have to try to earn salvation. But this stuff, this stuff being made in the image of God, it takes work. It does. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, but it takes effort on our part. So let's go after it. I was thinking about this as we did this, as I was preparing for this message, and I I believe that this is true. The greatest gift that you and I give the world is ourselves. Obviously, it's Jesus in us, right? Like, it's not just, it's not void of Jesus, but the greatest gift that we give is ourselves. When we become better, when we start to take steps in the direction of healthiness, holiness, and wisdom, that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give to the world. One of the greatest gifts, the legacy that we can live on this little round planet. When you get better, the church gets better. And when the church gets better, so does the world. Let's pray. God, this is uh, difficult stuff, Lord. It, it is, and you know, and my wife knows, like I haven't arrived in any of these areas. I'm 15% of the way there, if that, Lord. And, but God, I, I just want to be, I, I want to have a difference in the world. I want my life to matter. I want something to offer to those people that are going through stuff. And I know, I know there's so many of us here that want that same thing. They want to have something to offer, some shalom, some healthiness, some well-being. They want to have some holiness, some set-apartness in the world. And they want to have wisdom, wisdom that can change people's lives. But we can't Google it. We can't go through a fast food drive through and get it. It takes time and it takes intentional steps. God, by the power of your spirit, help us to do that. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I am Embrace. Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at imembrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.